Welcome back to another episode of Coach Coddle's Corner, where you get to hear some of the greatest stories from some of the greatest people in the world of lacrosse. Coach, who do we have on the podcast today? We'd like to welcome Kevin Cargan, the head coach at Notre Dame University, who's been here 34 years at Notre Dame. And uh, the Cargan family is synonymous not only with athletics, but with lacrosse. And uh, Kevin's a good friend of mine and uh, an excellent coach. And Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Great to be with you. So the first thing I want to ask you is you, you grew up in a family that athletics mattered. How was it to be Gene Cargan's son? <laughs> um, well, honestly, is the greatest blessing of my life is, is to be uh, the son of, of Gene and Lena Corrigan. Um, and, and, you know, that, that extends to, to everything. Uh, but certainly in athletics, uh, you know, dad was great about athletics. He, he was never the guy pushing. In fact, he rarely came to anything that we did growing up. His, his feeling was not because he wasn't interested in me, but I was one of seven kids. So there was plenty going on. You, you couldn't be everywhere. Um, and it was a different time in terms of parent parental involvement and that kind of thing. But he always felt very strongly that like sports were like for the people playing. Um, and he didn't, he didn't want us to feel like he had to be there for, uh, to validate what was going on. You either loved to play and you were there playing because of that, or you weren't, he didn't want us to feel the pressure of being involved, you know, when, when we were young. Um, and, uh, and then that extended into, into coaching, you know, my dad would, was always a great guy to talk to when I was a young coach, obviously he at that time was an athletic administrator and, and, um, and, and was a great, you know, I mean, who's lucky enough to have that kind of person as a sounding board. Um, but, but he was very, you know, my dad was never one to tell you something like, here's the answer. This is what you need to do. He was, he would always listen to you and say, Hmm, that sounds interesting or that, 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 yeah, I can see what you're saying there. <laughs> and I was like, well, what, what does that mean? What should I do? You know, but that, that wasn't his way. Um, so, uh, I guess I got all the good of being his son uh, in, in the way that, that, you know, the just being around sports my whole life, being around just all the great coaches that, that he was around at, at different schools and everything. And, and I got none of the negative because he was never pushy or, or, or demanding in any way in, in, uh, in our sports lives. I think one could say that your father probably did more for college lacrosse than any other administrator in the history of the game. Well, yeah, that that's nice of you to say. I I I don't know that you know. I I I guess he's one of those people who who did an awful lot. Yeah, he was you know, um, yeah. But but coming up as a player and then a coach uh, of of college lacrosse, he always had a, a a pretty keen eye for what was going on and and always an, an interest in watching the game continue to grow because he really believed in. In, in lacrosse and in the sport and and uh so he he you know was always doing everything he could to promote the game i can remember calling him when we were told from the coaches organization that there was no chance of us uh expect expanding the tournament i think we were at 12 at the time and i called your dad and i said coach we need you he says you got me what do you need and and in, within 18 months we expanded the tournament due to your father and the connections and how he went about it and how he treated people and uh, the respect that he had. And uh, he, he was a special man. That's for sure. 
Yeah, thank you, Dave. I, I feel the same way. We were, we were really fortunate and uh, 90, 92 great years with him. So, yeah. Now, tell me about your brother. He's on, he's on fire right now. Boo. Who's that, Boo? Yep. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he's doing great. He's, he's, uh, he's in, his, in his second you know, position as an athletic director. Was it at Army for eight, eight or ten years? Um, and now he's been at NC State um, for three years and three or four years, and he's and he's uh, he loves it. It's it's a great uh, area of the country. It's a great school. He loves his president. Um, he's gotten involved in some cool stuff. He just you know he's, he got he got on the, the the college football playoff committee and then was just recently named the 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 head of that committee for the next two years. So yeah, cool stuff. And then you got a brother on ESPN. Yeah, Tim is the uh, head producer for for NBA basketball for ESPN. He's done the the NBA Finals on on ABC for the last gosh at least a decade, I know. Um, and uh, yeah, he he he's had a great career there in a place where a lot of people you know move through. Um, Tim's been there one year longer than I've been at Notre Dame. He's been at, at ESPN for thirty five years. He started as the lowest of the low. He was he was pulling cables and and uh, and staying up late to to pull uh, clips for for Sports Center back in the day, and and now he's now he's been, you know, the executive producer of NBA basketball for you know, fifteen years or so. So it's pretty cool. So let's go to Notre Dame. You're you're in your thirty fourth season as the head coach at Notre Dame. Did you? That that is incredible to me. And when you first took over the Notre Dame job, what did you think the challenges were? And what surprised you about how hard it was to get good? And then what adjustments did you make in order to be great? Well, I mean, you know, when I first got there, I was I was most concerned about having enough balls at practice and and uh, (laughs) making sure that all the kind of fundamental things were in place, you know, for our guys to to be able to to come and, and compete and get better every day, you know. Um, and, and so fighting for, for, you know, field time or, or whatever, you know, you needed to do was, was, was the, you know, the, the first thing. And obviously one, one B was recruiting. Um, and, and it quickly became apparent that, you know, the challenge of recruiting was, was, was going to be tough because we didn't have scholarships. We didn't have any tradition. Of, of in the sport um there weren't a lot of people close to us and and so uh you know building a schedule uh you know and all that stuff that, that could attract recruits was going to be hard um you know so just all those things and and, and it quickly became apparent to me we, we weren't going to be able to skip steps in and building the thing we were going to have to to just take our our time and get better every year you know as we as we brought in better players um you know and and that would attract the next group of of players even better than them um you know because you had to you had to kind of show that that there was a chance to get it done one there were two great things that happened dave one was um the ncaa um did expand to 12 teams and 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 one of those bids was a midwest bid and that that gave great hope to programs like notre dame it probably wouldn't have become a varsity sport you know, at, at, at Notre Dame, if it weren't for something like that. And, and that that gave us a path to to kind of legitimacy uh, early on. And the other thing was that, that we had some people and, and yourself included in this uh, who who were willing to kind of invest in 
in helping us um, start. You know, we're, we're willing to play us and, and even come to South Bend to play us uh, because uh, it, it would have been awfully tough for us if, if we never, you know, got to play those those teams from back east. Uh, it would have been really hard for us to, to build a legitimate schedule. Um, so those those two things were really big. And then we formed the, the Great Western Lacrosse League. Um, and that gave us, again, a kind of a scheduling um, boost in that in that we knew we were going to have a certain number of of games through that every year. And, and, and you know, the competitiveness of that was good. So, yeah, it was and, and it was just it was just one step at a time. You know, we, we first goal was to get in the top 20 to, to get in the tournament. Then it was to get into the top 15. And, and then as you got to that point, you know, now we had the chance to, to start competing with top 10 teams and, and really having, having a chance to beat them um, as opposed to just playing them. And, and, you know, that's when, you know, we, we were lucky. We got some kids, you know, that, that turned out to, to really become great players, um, you know, that, 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 that helped us take, take those necessary steps um, in, into beating really good teams, you know, like, like, I guess it was 90, Five ninety six, we beat Duke uh, in the NCAA tournament. That was the first really, you know, that be- beating them, you know, playing your Loyola teams, um, you know, those those kinds of games were were giving us legitimacy that allowed us to to really go after top level kids. And 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 so you know, it was just it was just kind of pecking away over the years. And then and after we went to the Final Four in two thousand one. The next year we got scholarships, and and while initially that caused a little, a little problem in our in a you know probably caused more problems than it solved in the first couple of years. Um, after that, obviously it was a game changer because we're able to recruit the very best kids in the country every year, and 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 I think that's what you know kind of got us to consistently competing at the top level. No question about that, Coach. And then, you know, when you started recruiting, you you recruited all over because Notre Dame's a national brand and everything. So you became, when I watched what you guys were doing, you went after the best players throughout the country and you were not afraid to give significant scholarships the first couple of years that you had it to get those players that would help you get to the final four and win a championship. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, and it's funny, Dave. We're, you know, one of the things we had to decide early out here was was we're on we're on the edge of the lacrosse world at that time. You know, we were kind of the farthest west um, team that was that was certainly the farthest western team that was consistently playing top twenty, and 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 so we had to decide: are, are we going to, you know, apologize for this, or are we, you know, we're going to use this as a as a platform of we're on the outside and, and we're on the edge and we get to look out and we get to look in. Um, and there's advantages to that. So we were able to get some kids, you know, from a lot of the areas that were starting to, to produce good kids back then. Um, and then, you know, but then when you get the scholarships, now you're able to go into Long Island and say to the best kid on Long Island, you know, uh, a Pat Walsh or, or somebody like that, Hey, you know, you don't, you don't, you can come here and have a chance to compete for championships. You don't, you don't have to, uh, you know, and, and, and by the way, get that, get that financial aid and everything that's going to, that's going to help your family and, and make this easy. And, and all along, obviously the thing we were selling most from, from day one was just the Notre Dame experience. It's, it's a great university. Uh, it, it's a, 
it's a great place to to be a student and and to have been a student. You're, you you become part of Notre Dame in a very unique way when you come to school here, and it and it's kind of never leaves you. You know, there 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 are very few people that you know that went to Notre Dame that 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 you don't find that out pretty early in in the time that you know them, <laughs> because it's still very much a part of their lives, even even if they graduated 20 years ago. Um, and and so we were selling that experience more than more than anything else, and then the scholarship helps you helps you go after the great kids. Who was the one player that you felt like got you going on a national st- stage? Well, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, we had some great players in those early days. I mean, Randy Colley, his senior year was as good as any attackman in the country. You know, that's the year we ended up beating Duke, and he was a great player. I think he made honorable mention All American, but that's just because we were nobody. If, if 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 he had had a different name on the front of his jersey, he would have been a first or second team All-American that year, um, deservedly. Um, we, uh, we you know, Mike Iorio, um, you know, Todd Rasses, some guys like that were great defensive players for us. I mean, is, again, as good as anybody in the country. Um, our teams weren't as good as anybody in the country, so they weren't getting the same kind of first team All-American recognition that they would get today. Um but they were great players. But the guy that really probably was the one that, that uh, you know, m- kind of announced to people that, hey, we were going to compete for the best players every year was Pat Walsh. Um, and, and even though the years Pat here weren't our best years, um, us getting Pat Walsh as, as, you know, one of the, I think, inarguably one of the top 10 kids that year coming out, you know, I think, you know, and everybody wanted Pat and, and and so you know when we got him that that kind of uh, changed the 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 narrative of of what our recruiting was and and who we were going to be able to go after and get you know to go into Long Island and get a great player like that was was big for us. When we used to play against Notre Dame, you know, scoring was hard. You know, uh, they played such good. Notre Dame played such good defense since you've been there. The goalie play has was there was a period of time when I, I, we were playing against you, the goalie play was phenomenal. And then the question was, could we score enough to beat you? Where is Notre Dame, and are they still in that perspective right now, or has things changed where you're, you're a lot better offensively than you used to be and maybe not as good defensively as you used to be? Yeah, that's, that's a tough question. You know, one of the things that you, you know, when you, when you have more limited offensive team, you you play uh, in a way that that really emphasizes the defense, right? You know, so so all your decision making at both ends of the field needs to lead to them not scoring a lot, <laughs> right? Um, when you when you have more good offensive players and you know you can score more, um, you can you can play a little differently and make decisions a little differently. The the problem with that is is there's you know, offense is a little bit more fickle than than defense, and 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 playing in that way that you know the score, you know that the other team is not going to score, you know, fifteen goals on you. It's just not going to happen. Um, you're not going to allow the game to be that way. Um, even though we never held the ball, we just we just weren't going to, you know, make decisions that we were going to ride and clear and do everything in a way that led to us being able to, to be a good defensive team um, when, when, you know, as, as we got better at all the other aspects of the game, we tried to do a better job, you know, letting our guys play a little bit more, 
making a, a few freer decisions, knowing maybe we could score more and and still come out okay. But I still think I still like to think we're a very good defensive team, and I still like teams that are good defensively. I I you know that's every coach has their their things, and I guess that's that's one of mine. It, it seemed to me the '90s were the years of the Princeton defense. You know, Billy's system and everybody adapted and everything. But when Notre Dame took over for Princeton as the best defensive program in the country, uh, you, you, it was just it was hard to score on you guys. And I think that's a compliment to you and your staff uh, that Notre Dame became the defense that everybody wanted to 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 mimic and copy. Yeah, well, that's nice of you to say. I I, I appreciate that, and I'm you know I, I know I'm 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 like everybody else. I stole from Bill Tierney and 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 a lot of the fundamentals of what they were doing. Some things they they do differently than us, um, but but clearly he he set the bar uh, in those in the '90s, as you were saying. So let me let me ask you this, and I'm going to jump ahead to last year's team. I. When I saw the matchups, I was really disappointed in the matchup that you were in the Maryland bracket because I thought the two teams that had the best chemistry and togetherness and spirit last year were, and, and this is not diminishing Virginia by any stretch of the imagination. They went one back-to-back titles and they, they got a great team and a great program, but I felt Maryland, I love their chemistry but last year, I really loved your chemistry as a team. Did that feel different for you? That they, it just seemed like you guys were, you were was so well connected as a team. You know, I, I that, it's a hard point to argue, Dave. I thought we were. I I loved our team last year. Uh, I you know, I mean, I always love our guys. We have we have spectacular kids in our program, and and uh, but I'm you know, last year's team was special and and in that way they were connected um and they really they really worked hard they cared about each other they cared about what they did every day um and and uh and it was you know we hey you you went through the the gauntlet of covid and and all the aspects of your life and for that team coming back and getting a chance to be together and play together just seemed to really hit the right note with everybody. You know, they were they were really just happy to be there. It was it was a it was kind of a joyful uh, experience, but still like a hard, you know, working, really dedicated, committed experience. But uh, but but they just seemed to enjoy being out there every day and enjoy competing and and making each other better. So it was, that was, I, I mean, I've had, you know, like, like anybody who's never won the last game, I've had a ton of, of disappointing losses. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm probably the only guy, uh, who's, who's lost, uh, you know, the national championship game as a player in overtime and as a coach in overtime. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know you you're in this long enough. You you have those disappointing moments. Last year was as disappointing as any I can remember, just because really liked that team. Really thought that was going to be a team that was going to find their way to the end. Yeah, and and I give you know give Coach Tillman and Maryland credit. The, the, those kids play with a spirit 
uh, and the togetherness that right now is is they they've been doing it for a while. And uh, I, I, all the credit goes to John and to the Terps. But I saw that same thing in your team, and I really believe that if you were in another bracket, uh, if one of you, it, it was a shame that we didn't get a chance to watch one of those two teams play the next weekend. Well, I mean, it was, you know, they, I, I think that was as good a game as anybody saw in the tournament last year. That that was a, you know, a quarterfinal matchup, but it was a hell of a game. And, uh, you know, two two great teams. Huh? So now let's move forward to this year's team. Very difficult schedule to start off with. Uh, you know, I'd fire the guy who did the schedule. And, uh, <laughs> but tell me, tell me where you are right now. You know that that kind of remains to be seen, Dave. You know, we we uh, we we do have a, a a terribly hard schedule. We had some unfortunate things happen to us, um, and I'm not going to get into the particulars of it. But guys getting hurt, and and you know, guys who who were not either able to practice in in you know fall or preseason uh or you know the week of the game uh you know in, in some of these games we've been playing it's just been we've had some really unfortunate injuries and and things that in where where we knew we had a very small margin right because because we were we are playing the difficult schedule that we're playing um and so you know we we took a few lumps early um and we knew we knew we were going to struggle at the face-off X early in the year with a young guy. We think he's very talented. I, I'm, you know, he's working really hard. Our team's working really hard to, to, to shore that up and get better there. But we have to be better there. And, you know, you just can't give away possessions and win games. Uh, you, you know, it's just really hard. If you're, if you're 10 or 15 less possessions than the other team, you have to be a lot better than them to win that game. Um, and, and that's hard to do. So, so, you know, all of that co combined means that that we're, you know, two and three right now instead of five and oh. Um, so really, the question becomes, how do our guys react to that? How can we continue to work? I think and I said to our team yesterday, I think we're the best we've ever been right now. Unquestionably, in my mind, we're the best lacrosse team that we've ever been this year. Right now, we're, we're playing better lacrosse. We're making better decisions. We're just the best team we've been, but can we emotionally hold it together and and uh, at, at being two and three and keep improving and getting better and winning games um, as we go forward, or do we let those those games affect more than um, you know the the one loss record on that date? It's funny because there are some losses that are two game losses. You know, you get so disappointed it's hard to recover. I watched your guys at the end of the Michigan game. And I watched the goalie run over to the defenseman, and it was a hug out of joy, but it was also a hug out of relief. They had to get that. They had to get the next one. They and, did. And they wound up getting it. So hopefully they'll be able to move forward from that one. Yeah, thank you. I, I agree. Thank you. I think, that's, I think that's exactly it. I think that was, a, that was a moment where it's like, oh, man, we did not want to know what was going to happen if we were one and four. And, and I think – that uh, just from uh, again from a fan's perspective an outsider i think playing such a, a team that's been you know dominant the last two years 
probably will take the pressure off you a little bit now that you you will be the best Notre Dame team of the season on Saturday. And, uh, you know, Virginia is extremely talented. They got great players and they got, they as you said, they probably have two of the best players in the country and a bunch of other good ones. But, you know, is what's the prescription for success for this year's Notre Dame team? I, I think right now it's just it's just to keep getting better. I, I think, you know, I, I really believe we have good talent at every single position on the field. Um, but but again, I, I you can't overstate right now. We have to get better in the faceoff game. We, we you just can't. You know, I mean, you know, you know, I've been I've been advocating us getting rid of the faceoff for over a decade because I don't like the effect it has on the game. I think it has way too big an effect on the game, given the the skill set of the of the person doing it. Look, if a goalie has a phenomenal day, he's got the hardest job on the field. If he if he stops enough balls to make the everything else not matter, uh, you know, take your hat off to that guy. And but the faceoff guy, you know, he does one thing, and he, and it can have such an extraordinary effect on the game. That, that I'm not a fan of it. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it typically coaches are not fans of the faceoff guy when they're struggling. Well, uh, like I said, I've I've felt this way pretty vocally for over a decade, and we've had good years and bad years during that decade. So I don't think I'm I'm a fair weather or, or bad weather fan on this one. I, I just don't like the effect it has on the game. You know. So let's switch gears again. Tell me about your goal. Liam is uh, terrific, great kid, hard worker, um, you know, super talented kid. Wears his heart on his sleeve, and and uh, and 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 in that sense, is is maturing as a goalie because you can't live and die with every shot. You know, you got to have a short memory because no matter how good you are. You know, you're playing when you play the schedule we play. You're gonna play against great players who are gonna score goals on you, and so you got to have a, a bit of a short memory. I think that's his only weakness as a goalie. Really, is that he sometimes takes every shot, every goal, um, you know, too hard. You know, like you said, a game can be two losses, right? Because it affects the next one. You can't let a you can't let a goal become two goals. Yeah, I thought I saw something in him against Michigan that I think he I think he's going to move forward for the rest of the year for you. I couldn't uh, agree more. I just I just there was there was something about him that he, he had a little bit of the it factor against Michigan that day. Hopefully, he can continue to to go through and improve this season. Well, he, you know, he had that all last year, by the way. That's not, that's like a, a recent phenomenon. He's, he's, he was terrific last year in almost every situation. I, I have great faith in, in Liam and, and great confidence in him. And I, but I agree with you right now. He just looks different. Even this week in practice, he just looks different. So let me ask you this. If, if you had to change one thing in your coaching career, one thing that you did, one thing that you thought about, what would it be? Uh, you know, I, I guess I would, I would say two things. 
that I wish I was I was better at. One is um, I would never speak to an official again. <laughs> I would just forget about the officials completely um, because you don't make them any better. And and uh, so I would I would be better with that. I was a better human being. Um, the other, um, I think, just probably, you know, I'm 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 tough on our guys. I love our guys. I'm I'm, I'm tough on them. And and I would, if I if I knew what the right answer was all the time, I would know when to be tough and and when to put my arm around a guy. And and you know you don't know till it's over if you did the right thing or not. And I guess you never really know whether if you'd done the other thing that would have worked either. But when you when you think about what you regret in coaching, it's it's maybe not helping a guy um, when he needed help. And and you know would it have been to put my arm around him or would it have been to kick him in the butt? You know and 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 if if you knew which one to do and when to do it. Um, you know, that's a, that's a secret sauce that, 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 you know, helps everybody. I, I want to go back to what you first said about the officials. I can remember when I was the first couple of years coaching and we, I watched Willie Scroggs and I, I always said, man, why can't I be like that? He doesn't even look like sometimes he's interested in the game, much less interested in the refs, you know? But he he just had a way with he it just he, they just never got underneath his skin and he could talk to him nicely and then here I am I'm you know when we played the when we used to scrimmage Princeton they used to call it the Cotton Bowl because the officials used to put cotton in their ears and got tired of getting yelled at and uh, I I agree with that I you know the biggest change and it and it comes uh, I felt it it happened to me at the end and it, um it's happened to you is. W- when we first started, there was one way we coached, and that was the right way, or so we thought it was the right way. Now, coaches are supplying value for the players rather than the players conforming to the coaches. You know, so our job is to assist them to be the best they can possibly be, and it's a different way of looking at it, and it's probably a better way of looking at it. Do you find yourself, have you changed a little bit on the way you deal with your players? Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and even to that point, Dave, even if your heart was always in the same place, you know, it, it, you have to communicate it properly. It does, you know, I mean, you have to, you have to communicate it so that the player understands that you care about them you know, that what you're doing is not just, you know, to get another goal or to do whatever, but it's because it's the right thing for the team and it's the right thing for them and, and that you have their, their interest in heart. And, and listen, it, guys have to believe that up and down your lineup, right? I mean, if you're, if you're guys who aren't playing on Saturday, don't believe it, that you have your, their best interest at heart. I mean, you've got a bunch of guys, you know, in the room every day who are not where you want them to be. Um, and, and are not going to help you win. So, yeah, that's, there's no doubt, you know, communicating with guys is, is different. I, you know, you know, you, you, you're like me, you were in this a long time, still in it, you know, you know, you know, people say, oh man, kids have changed and this and that. And, 
you know, more than anything, what's changed is how you have to communicate with kids. I'm not sure at the core that people have changed that much in the last thousand years, much less in the last 30. But but how they're raised, how they've been talked to, the relationships they've had with 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 parents and 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 adults and and teachers and 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 people like that throughout their lives um, is different. It's it, it it's different now than it was 30 years ago. And and so you have to communicate in a way with them, even if you believe all the same things, you have to communicate things differently to them now. Yeah, and that's why I was so impressed with your team last year because they were connected from the coaching staff through the team, and it was very impressive to watch. My last question for you, Coach, what has the ACC meant to Notre Dame lacrosse? Well, you know, we talked earlier about trying to trying to build legitimacy within the sport. Um, you know, there's nothing more legitimate than playing in the ACC and and you know, playing against the best players in the country. Now, listen, there's a, there's a lot of great teams out there, and I'm not trying to slight anybody, but, you know, the five teams in the ACC are, are packed full of great players, great coaches. Um, the thing is just done at a really high level at, at every school. And, and so, you know, if you, can, if you can stand up to that challenge, then, then uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a legitimacy that's, that's, that comes along with that, that, that makes it so you can sit in any living room in the country and and uh, and and you don't have to. There's a lot of things you don't have to say because they're they're taken for granted because you're in the ACC. You know, when I came went to, from Loyola to Maryland, the biggest surprise I had was the intensity level of a league game. You know, going from not being a member of a league to being a member of a league. Those games, those kids get what they get jacked up for those games. And like you say, to have the, you know, five of the biggest blue bloods in the history of of college lacrosse in the same conference. And usually you play them at sometimes at least twice or sometimes even three times a year is, is an incredible athletic competitive situation. But you're surrounded with the greatest strength coaches, the greatest motivators, the, you know, the, the programs that are supporting them all the way through. And uh, it's, it's a, uh, to play in a league like the ACC is something that every player should have a chance to, to do at one time or another. Yeah. You know, it's, I think one of the funny things that, that with the grad transfers, you know, that have become more popular and, and we started getting grad transfers at, at like one a year, about eight, nine years ago. Um, now with, with, uh, you know, the COVID extra year, there's, there's a lot more of those guys. Um, but one of the things that those guys brought was a, a real appreciation. You know, when they, when they come in, they're like, man, you guys have no idea how good you have it. Like, like, just like you're saying, the, the nutritionist, the strength coach, the academic counseling, the, the everything is done at, a, at, at the very highest level. Um, and, and a kid who's been in a program where, where things weren't, at that level and everything has a real appreciation and understanding of, of how fortunate they are. The last thing I'm going to ask you, there's two words now that in coaching today that we never talked about 20 years ago, and it's become extremely important. Roster management. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's one of those things. And, and I, I, I think roster management fits as a subtitle under culture, 
right? Um, and 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 building a culture is is something that everybody's always talked about and always understood the importance of. Um, but but with bigger rosters, um, with some of these grad transfers who are coming in, not guys who grew up in the program and everybody, you know, saw them and and um, and and saw them coming or appreciated the the journey they'd had or everything else. Um, it, it's definitely brings a unique challenge. Um, and, and we're, we're working at it every day, it, but it still harkens back to, you know, do those guys fit your culture? Do they buy into your culture? And is your culture willing to accept them? You know, are, are they willing to say that, that, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to welcome anybody who's here for the same reasons that we are, um, you know, and, and, and we're going to support them in the same way, compete with them, but, but, but support them at the same time. Well, Coach, I know you're busy. I re really appreciate you taking this time out to talk to us and uh, wish you nothing but the best of luck and uh, continued success. And you, you're a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame person. And thanks for being on board. Dave, I really appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you, man. Take care. Take care.